as a church, uh, we've been looking at uh, the purposes of God in Scripture for our lives. And uh, there are five main things when we, when we look at and search the Scriptures when it comes to purpose or calling. And uh, we've been going through those, those five purposes uh, in, over the last few weeks. The fir- first of all, of course, is the purpose, the calling to be loved. Before we do anything, before there's anything that we do for God, uh, we are to first be loved. And that helps us to, um, first of all, uh, have a sense of, of purpose and joy in our lives. Some of us sometimes don't feel worthy of love. Sometimes we think, I've done some things wrong, or I'm this way inclined, and therefore God couldn't love me. Can I just say right from the outset, the very foundation of the Christian gospel is that you are loved. And this is the building block upon everything else that we talk about. Uh, nothing else can be, be talked about or done unless it's in the foundation of God loving us. And he has shown us his love for us by laying down his life, for giving his life up for us on the cross and taking away the sin that would separate us from him to give us life and to give us hope and to give us freedom uh, in the life that he's calling us to. And so there are five callings or assignments, five missions, if you like. If you want to find out the meaning of life, uh, it's looking at these five things. And a bit last week I talked about, it's a bit like the food pyramid on the back of a cereal box uh, that starts foundationally at the bottom. I talked about that being love. The second thing would be that we are called to belong. Not only does God love us, he actually has adopted us into his family. And that family is called the church. And so not only are we loved, but we're loved so much that he wants us to be part of his family. And it's in that that we find our identity. We don't find our identity in what we do, in what we achieve, in who we hang out with, or on what we have around us. Our identity is found in that family and in that as being brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are loved and we belong. Last week we talked about, and then in that belonging, in that family, being surrounded by uh, his uh, nature and his love, therefore we become like Christ. And our, our lives aren't designed to just be, that's it, this is who I am, but we are called to grow and to transform and to become like Christ. And so we talked about that last week, and then I've done some mini-sermons, and I've done those on Facebook for you to look at as well. And so the fourth um, calling in life is really to be a blessing. Uh, Out of all of that, uh, that's not first, but out of all of that, out of that, that foundational work, we are now called to actually live out this faith and live out this calling and to bless others. So this week, the fourth calling is that we, the purpose of my life is to, God has shaped me to serve him. God has shaped me to serve him. Uh, Again, another um, very popular verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says that, Uh, We are his workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus to do what? We are created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
that's what we're talking about this week. Now, we are, we are called to do good works, not in order to please God, not in order to uh, do something for ourselves, but in response to the goodness that he has shown us. And so leading on from last week, we are called to become like Christ. Um, Jesus himself said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Your attitude, Jesus says, should be like my own. For I did not come to be served, but I have come to serve. And so if we are called to take on the character of Christ to be transformed into his likeness, part of his character was that he didn't come to this earth to be served, to be someone important, but he, he laid down his life, he gave up his life, he led a whole life of service for others. And so we are to follow him in that. We are designed to serve. We are called to serve. Now, I think, again, there's nothing like the present time where this is more relevant. Uh, with all that is happening in the world around us, uh, we, as a Christian community, uh, should be called to serve. Uh, many people uh, in this time have lost jobs, for example. And I have been uh, on the phone with a, a number of, in our congregation who even have businesses uh, family businesses or businesses that they've built up through the years and they're not even sure if those businesses are going to continue. So there is a lot of, of, of hurting times and a lot of struggle. There's a lot of stress uh, for, for many people right now. All the more reason for us as a Christian community to stand up and to live out this calling of service. How can we not only just pra practically serve people, but spiritually and emotionally support one another uh, in that. You know, I think it's, it's very interesting as the, as the government has, has asked all services to close down apart from essential service, services. If we look at those essential services, do you know the majority of those essential services, uh, uh, schools, hospitals, uh, places like that, actually derived from and got their beginning in the Christian church serving their community by taking in the widow, by looking out for the poor and needy, for um, starting hospitals. A lot of those uh, essential services came from the early church actually reaching out to their community in service. And so 2,000 years later, uh, we should be honouring and walking in the footsteps of those early Christians who actually showed us what it meant to serve and who have left a legacy uh, that in our society today that we uphold and believe in as to be essential. So um, as we look around us in the world and people hurting, we can either say, oh, you know, best of luck to you, or we can actually be the hands and feet of Jesus and we can practically we can emotionally, we can physically, we can spiritually support and bless those who are in need. Now, speaking of the, the current situation that we are in, uh, many of you uh, are sh probably shocked or laughing at or 
really puzzled by the panic buying that is going on uh, in, in the world around us, people wanting to get as much toilet paper as they can. You know, as I looked at that current situation, uh, it just reminded me of uh, an illustration and kids, perhaps you might want to uh, listen in now. Uh, as, as, a, as a child growing up in the church, uh, I was often asked for a definition of what sin is. And I don't know if you've heard of this definition or as a kid in, in kids ministry, you might have come across this definition. But if we look at the, the word sin, uh, what is central to the word sin? It is the letter I. In the very middle of sin is the letter that we use to describe ourselves. And as an illustration of sin that we often say to kids is that uh, if we put ourselves in the centre of things, that's kind of uh, a description or an example of sin. And as I look at all that's happening in the world at the moment, you know what? Panic buying is an example of putting self in the centre I'm just going to look after myself. I don't care about other people. As long as I've got my needs met, that's okay. That's actually uh, what is happening. And so can I encourage you, as you have conversations with people about what's happening in the world around us, you know, the human nature is to have this fallen flesh in us, this sinful nature. And it is evident and it is an example in the world around us. And so we can use this as an example to be having conversations, to be sharing the gospel, to be saying, hey, hey, can you see what's happening in the world around you? Uh, people are just looking after themselves. They're not caring about other people. That's an example of the sinful nature and why we need Jesus, why we need saving from that sinful nature in order to be able to bless and live the, the life that he has called us to. So use that as a way of, of sharing with and, and, and discussing the gospel with those around you. Um, yeah. So we find our purpose and our meaning in life. As we become disciples and followers of Jesus, our salvation isn't just to save us, but you know, we're not just to be twiddling our thumbs, yes, thank you, God, I'm saved, but we're saved in order that we might respond to that grace and that we are called to serve and to love our neighbours as ourselves. So we are no longer the centre. It is Life is not about me. Um, James famously said, you know, faith without works is dead. And, and many people often use that to um, prove the fact that we are saved by works, not by grace. James isn't saying that. What James is saying is, that we are saved by grace alone. And if we truly believe that, that if the faith is to be outworked in a real and positive way, then that faith being outworked would have service attached to it. It would have uh, the works, that he, the Ephesians passage that we start, started with. We are created for that. And so we are called to serve. Now, um, Galatians 1.15 says this, God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him and called me 
to serve him. If you've got your, your Bibles open can I, and you've got a pen, can I encourage you to underline, I am called to serve him. Now, what happens uh, when this isn't just a theory? Because um, we can all agree that, yes, this is a good idea. Yes, I agree with uh, what you're saying, Sam. But what actually happens when it goes beyond a theory, beyond a good message, and we actually outlive this calling to serve. There are so many benefits to living a life of service. Uh, you could probably write down a hundred different benefits for, for living this way. I want to just concentrate on three this morning, and uh, perhaps after the, the service you might want to comment and come up with your own benefits to living the life of service. The first uh, benefit that I want to talk about is that as I serve uh, God and others, this will create joy in my life. It will create joy in my life. Now, who wants more joy in their life? I want more joy in my life. Dave, do you want more joy in your life? Yeah, Dave says, yeah, sure. He wants more joy in his life. Um, you know, people look for joy in all sorts of places, uh, in, in pleasure, in uh, positions of power or title, um, in their possessions. They, they think that that's going to bring joy. In popularity, you know, the celebrity world in which we live, people are longing to be a celebrity because they think that that's going to give them joy uh, in their lives. Some of these things may bring temporary joy, but they don't bring everlasting joy. You know what? God has wired us to experience the true permanent joy that comes from him. And as we follow his example of giving up our lives to serve others, that joy comes and flows into our hearts. We experience that joy. Now, one of the most important principles of joy is that um, we need to get the focus off ourselves. And again, once we remove ourselves from the center of all that we, we do, um, the more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you'll be. Uh, do you know what a miser is? I had to, to look this up myself. The dictionary says a miser is a person who hoards wealth and spends as little as possible. Do you know the word miser and the word miserable come from the same root word? So the more we focus on ourselves, the more miserable we'll be. But when you give your life in service to others, uh, when you uh, allow your life to be used uh, to benefit and to bless others, joy, joy flows into your heart. great example is, is Paul in Philippians 2, 17. He says, My life is being poured out as part of the sacrifice and the service. There it is. I offer to God for your faith. Yet I am filled with joy and I share that joy with all of you. Even though Paul had hardship, even though he gave of all that he did for the, the church and for uh, the Christian community at the time, he had a joy in his heart uh, out of that service that he had for others. And earlier in that chapter, it's pretty, pretty blunt actually, uh, in Philippians, it says, forget yourselves long enough 
to lend a helping hand. <laughs> may, may that be a memory verse for you this morning. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So, friends, if you are lacking joy, start by taking the focus off of yourself. Serving others will create joy in your life. The second benefit for serving is it will improve my relationships. And boy, do we all need this one. It will improve our relationships. Why? Why will serving others improve our relationships? Well, the root of most relational issues is self-centeredness. Uh, there are other things that come into relational problems, but the root of them all, they all are often derived from an attitude of selfishness. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's what you did to me. Uh, me, 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 me. There's no wriggle room for the other person uh, when we have a self-centered attitude. But when we change that around and say, hey, uh, in our relationship, in our, in our marriages, uh, in the way we relate to our, our children, uh, in our workplaces. If I take on an attitude of blessing and serving others, those relationships are transformed and take on uh, a more healthy and uh, robust uh, thing. And so part of our calling as Christians, as disciples, is to learn unselfishness because God is love. And he calls us to be like him. And uh, we all know that the famous um, verse from 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about love not being selfish and, and thinking about itself, but it is giving and it is sacrificial. And how do we know what love is? Well, 1 John uh, 3.16 says, Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. He gave himself up. And so when we live in this way, when we serve others, our relationships blossom. So can I encourage you, if you are struggling in any relationship, uh, if there is any uh, perhaps tension in any of the relationships that you're experiencing in your life right now, take on the nature of a servant and think about the other person and how you can bless them and watch how that relationship will blossom and grow. You know, there's a famous uh, book by, by Dale Carnegie. I could never say his last word, uh, last name. Uh, and he wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And at the crux of his book, the crux of his message was, rather than try and be interesting, be interested. So in our relationships, rather than trying to be interesting about me, hey, look at what I can do, me, 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 be interested be interested in one another. Be interested in other people's uh, desires and needs and thoughts. And you'll, you'll watch those relationships blossom. So when you really listen, when you really care, when you really understand, uh, the person that you are understanding will think that you're the most amazing person in the world. If everyone is interested in themselves, uh, when we're, rather than being interested in someone else, our relationships will improve exponentially. And number three, third benefit from living a life of, of sacrifice is serving others will make my life meaningful. 
it'll make my life meaningful. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my life to make a difference in this world. Um, you know, I think we're all wired to want to be making a difference, to not just live a life, a mundane life, a life where nothing really happens, but where uh, things that we do, things that we're involved in, make a real difference in the society that we have or in the people around us. And that is my hope, and I hope that it's your hope too. So if you are wanting to make a difference, if you are wanting to really to love others and see uh, lives changed and transformed, it comes through service. It comes through sacrificially giving to other people. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 8.35, If we try to keep our lives for ourselves, we'll lose it. But if you give your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Now, we will find true life. We won't just find life as in breath and living. We will find the life that we are all longing for, the abundant life that Jesus talks about. Uh, many of us want that life and desire that life. And part of reading this book and discovering the purposes of life is that we would live the life that God has for us, the life that is so much more, it is so much better, it is so much more giving than just the mundane life of getting up, going to work, coming home, sleeping, eating, and that being it. If you want a life that is so much more, then Jesus just encouraged us. The way to, to that life, the way to experiencing that life that he has for us is to lose that other life, is to lose ourselves, is to give ourselves up in order that we might pick up the life that he has for us. That's the true life and that's the life that I want and that's the life I hope that you live out. And it is a great life. If you want that great life, Jesus again said in Matthew 20, he says, if you want to be great, yes, I want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. So if we want to be great, we've got to be a servant. You know, when Jesus uh, first came to earth, the, the thought of servanthood, the thought of humility, the thought of giving to others was a virtue that was considered to be rubbish. It was actually looked down upon uh, in the culture. But Jesus has actually tipped that up around the other way. And he's actually shown us that life isn't about making something for myself. It isn't about surrounding myself with wealth or possessions. It isn't uh, making a name for myself in power. The, the way to life is actually flipped upside down. And as we serve others, as we give of ourselves, as we bless others, we actually find the life that he has for us. So the calling for your life is to be loved, it is to belong, it is to become, and it is to serve. To live a life of service means that we follow Jesus' example of laying down our life in sacrifice for others, that we don't think about our own gain, 
but we think about the gain of others. And hey, if everyone lived that way, we would be mirroring the early church where nobody was in want. There was nobody in need uh, because we were actually able to serve one another. And I'm sure there are going to be times uh, in the next coming months uh, where, the, where needs are going to arise, where there are going to be uh, ways in which are obvious for us as a church to be serving others. And I want us to be on the front foot I want us to be uh, being creative about how we can meet the needs of those that we see around us, uh, not only just in our own church families or immediate families, but in the communities around us. Hey church, we are called to serve. How can we live that out and how can we respond to God's grace and serve others around us uh, in the life that we live? May that be a blessing to you this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you uh, came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. And in that, you modeled to us uh, the way to life, that if we want to gain life, if we want to be great, if we want to make a difference, then we too must lay down our lives in service for others. Lord, help us to do this, not in a way that makes us feel proud or makes us feel good in our accomplishments, but out of response for the goodness that you have shown us, out of response for the grace that you've shown us, that you first laid down your life, that we know what love is because you first loved us. And so, Lord, as a church and and as those listening online right now, I just pray that you would uh, fill their hearts with your spirit and that they would know your blessing and that they would be uh, challenged this morning in ways to serve those immediately around them and those uh, who are going to be coming up in the next few months who have certain needs. Lord, can we as a church, we, we ask and we pray that we would be your hands and feet and that we would be ministering to those who are around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.